Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. We welcome you along to the programme. John Paul is taking your calls at 1850-333-103. Texting and WhatsApp is also available at 86 if there's anything you want to share with us. And yesterday, towards the back end, last hour of the programme, we were getting in a lot of calls about Lisa Smith and Lisa Smith's uh, return to this country with her two-year-old daughter. And I have to say, the bulk of the calls and the bulk of the texts coming in, people not happy about Lisa uh, Lisa Smith coming back to this uh, country and my apologies that I didn't get to all of the calls and texts. Let's just, I, I'll just sum up a few of them that came in yesterday. Somebody said Lisa Smith used her daughter as a bargaining chip. She wouldn't allow her daughter to come back without her. So therefore we can only assume that she has her own best interest at heart and not that of her child. And I wonder how many people if they were put in that position and you had the choice all you have is your two-year-old child. They're not, a country's not going to allow you back, but they'll take the child. I wonder, would would people have done what Lisa Smith have done and said, no, I'm, I'll only travel if you, you're going to bring my, your, my daughter back, you're going to have to bring me back as well. Or would you be, would you put your child on the plane to get her out of what was basically a war-torn uh, situation? Mary Nenneskeen said, I've no respect for Lisa Smith. She's well aware of what she was getting herself into when she went there. She knew what was happening. She was in the Irish Army after all, so she knew what was going on more so than anybody else would have known. From various newspaper reports, Mary said it doesn't look like many Irish people wanted, wanted her to come back to this country. Mary's gone so far as to say she's a disgrace to this country and the money that's been spent on her could have been used for charities and put to better use. Aoife in McCroom says I can't believe our government have done what they've done in bringing back Lisa Smith and her daughter. They are the ones who are a disgrace. What will other countries who are affected by ISIS think of us? And actually that's a common thread in a lot of the commentary that came in yesterday. What's our perception internationally of welcoming Lisa Smith back home and Aaron in Charleville on that vein in Carrigaline apologies uh, Aaron uh, said what will America make of what Ireland are doing at the end of the day troops who are fighting ISIS were flying into Shannon for refuelling and there we are bringing home an ISIS bride what will the Americans make of all of this and obviously a lot again in the papers about Lisa Smith and the fact that she has been arrested. She's in Kevin Street Garda station. She's in being interrogated and questioned by the Gardaí. And it seems now that the Gardaí will offer her personal security advice once they've finished questioning her and once she is released. She's still in Kevin Street Guard, the station. She spent her second night there last night. Officers expected this morning 
to extend that period of detention by a further 24 hours. A senior source said that Lisa Smith is cooperating with the investigation. She is engaging with questions. She is engaging with the Gardaí. There's a huge volume of material being put to her as specialist detectives have been investigating this case for many, many months because obviously they knew she was coming back. But she is talking and she's answering questions in particular. She's been questioned about her past relationships with a number of men who are Islamic terrorist suspects. But in what many say is an unusual move on Sunday, the day she arrived, her family were allowed to have a meal with her in the Garda station. So they're showing immense kindness to Lisa Smith and I suppose immense kindness to her family as well because at the end of the day her family have done nothing wrong and they are the real innocent party in all of this so they arranged for a meal and I suppose that was an opportunity as well for Lisa Smith's daughter to get to know Lisa Smith's family because we knew on Sunday that the child was going to have to leave Kevin Street Garden Station and go home with the family so I suppose everybody sitting down having a meal would make the girl a little, this little toddler. You couldn't just hand her over to complete strangers. She needed to, to become familiar with what were her grandparents, her aunts, her, her, her uncles. But if, if and when Lisa Smith is released without charge this week, that, that would be then pending a decision from, from the DPP. Sources are saying that she will be offered detailed security advice by members of Angarda Siakona. She is obviously a very high profile person and her decision to travel to what was then known as the Islamic State has made her very unpopular with many people in this country and that is why it's going to be very important that she's given security advice in relation to her own personal safety. So the guy, they are aware of the feelings amongst the general population. And as I say, the calls and texts we were getting in yesterday, if that's just a snapshot of how people are feeling, I think there was only one person yesterday who very much welcomed Lisa Smith back uh, and was very much understanding of why and what the government were, were doing for Lisa Smith. But everybody else then when I gave you that sample of some of those texts, people not happy. Uh, so for that reason, when she is released from from Garda Costi later this week, she's going to have to be protected. So that's what the Garda are planning on, on doing. It. They will give her uh, security uh, advice. And she is being, uh, to see many questioning starts early in the morning. I think it was about seven this morning. They resumed questioning again. She's been given four breaks for prayer which would be part of her Muslim uh, tradition. And she's also been served a halal diet. So she is certainly been looked after and been treated with utmost respect and utmost uh, kindness, which I can see a number of people would say wasn't how ISIS treated uh, people, for sure, for sure. But, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. Anyway, your thoughts and comments welcomed 1850 You can text our WhatsApp 0862103103 on the programme this morning. We're going to be discussing something that I think is going to send shockwaves and worry amongst a number of people. We we actually got a, I think it was this got sparked off yesterday with a text in from a listener saying, have you heard that the government are going to end paying fuel allowance and that some decision that was made at EU level. So we said we'd look into it. And lo and behold, because it hasn't, I don't think, received a lot of publicity. It was a resolution seemingly that was passed last week at EU level. 
And whether it's going to force the hand of the Irish government or not, I don't know. I need to. I'm trying to find out as much information as I can about it. So we've 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 invited Sean Kelly, MEP, who obviously was in Europe, knows what's going on from the Europe point of view. But I want to know when a resolution is passed, does that make that does that make it a law binding here in this country? Because if it does, it means by 2020 the government would have to stop paying fuel allowance and fuel allowance is paid. We're in the middle of the of a cold spell at the moment, but the winter months is when a fuel allowance is paid out and it's paid out to the most vulnerable in our community. It's paid out to older people and people who are in fuel poverty. So we're going to discuss that this morning. And then a lovely light-hearted story we'll be going to, to hearing from Drumahan National School who have come up with a wonderful idea this year and a real act of kindness rather than bring the children bringing in loads of presents for the teachers that I imagine and I'm open to correction on this and I know I'm probably saying this at the wrong time because teachers are at school Am I right in assuming that teachers don't like all of the presents? That's not that they don't like all of the presents, but that they get way too many presents at uh, Christmas. I know I have a family member who is works as a Montessori teacher and the amount of items that they get at Christmas is just ridiculous. I mean, she must fill up the boot of her car a couple of times on that last week of uh, Christmas week. Now, she re-gifts a lot of it to charity shops, I have to say. I'm quite proud of her on that uh, on that uh, score. But it just seems crazy. And particularly when it's Montessori, because these parents are already paying high fees for their children to attend. And then suddenly this notion that we all need to give our teachers something at the end of the year. As I say, I don't know how teachers themselves feel about it, but do parents feel un- under pressure? I know back in the the real downturn in the economy when things were a real, real tough for a lot of families. Every year we would have done pieces here on the radio about it, trying to encourage schools to get involved and for schools to make public announcements saying, please, no presents for teachers this year because we had some really sad stories of parents contacting us who just couldn't afford to buy their teacher a present. They would love to have bought their teacher a present but couldn't afford it and the children, their sons and daughters were coming home very upset because other children in the class were bringing in quite expensive presents I remember at the time and then the child who didn't have a present was made to feel left out and then coming home to Mammy saying, Mammy, why aren't you buying the teacher a present? Everybody else is buying her a present. I'm the only one that didn't buy her a present and just awful, awful, awful stories and I'd hate to go back to that situation again but the good times, there's the feeling that the good times are back. So are we back to that now buying expensive presents for teachers again and is it up to individual schools? So I'd love to hear from any other school that or any other parents, I appreciate the schools are listening to us, uh, they're all at class but are parents hearing are you getting notes home from school telling saying we do or we don't want presents what's what's the goal this year or are you just buying presents and if so how much are you spending and what type of presents are you buying for your teacher and we'll find out from Drumahan National School what they're doing instead this year figures revealed showing that nearly 17,000 children are awaiting treatment in hospitals here in the South. This is a nationwide. This is just for the hospitals here in the South. It is a shocking, shocking figure. Dunmanway Community Group are getting together and they are once again this year going to offer Christmas dinner on Christmas Day for people who might be lonely and on their own and have no one to share Christmas dinner with. Maybe there are people who can't afford a Christmas uh, dinner. Whatever reason. 
if you're in need of Christmas dinner and you're around Omanway on Christmas Day, then we have a venue for you to attend in what sounds like it's a gorgeous party atmosphere, lovely festive atmosphere. And we'll speak with one of the volunteers on the programme today. Uh, we also are getting calls in from the Bantry area. Seems to be a problem with Vodafone. If you have a story to tell, let us know if you, is your Vodafone playing up in the Bantry area? Is it just confined to the Bantry area? We're getting on to Vodafone, by the way, to see if we can find out more about it. And then Joe Heffernan will join us in the final hour of the programme. And Joe will continue to talk about self-harm. And today we're looking at if you're living with somebody who's self-harming, how can you help that person? So that and more between now and one o'clock today. Your thoughts welcome. As I mentioned, we are getting a lot of calls in from people with no Vodafone reception in the Bantry area. And we've informed Vodafone and we are awaiting a reply from them. And the number of people now who only have a mobile phone, so many people got rid of landlines because mobile phones have, you know, the packages have come down in price. So it's, you can, and you can ring a landline or a mobile number from your mobile phone. So people, you know, saving themselves money, got rid of the landline. And of course, then they're solely reliant on their mobile. So when the mobiles go down, people can really be stuck. And that seemingly is what's happening uh, because we've had causing from people saying, I couldn't ring you because my phone was down. I had to wait until I go to somebody else's house and ring from their number instead. And Kathleen in Bantry is one of those ones caught up with that, she said. And she's frustrated, she said, because I've been trying to get through, she said, to Vodafone. No luck. Every time I ring their number, they ask for, account numbers but it's an automated voicemail asking for all of these details but then nothing happens when I give the details so she says best of luck to you there at C103 if you're trying to contact a Vodafone John Paul is always very good at this he manages to I don't know how he does it he's kind of a kind of secret way of contacting a lot of these organisations. They know him well. They know him personally at this stage. He's been on to so many of those organisations. So we'll keep our fingers crossed and hopefully we'll get something back from Vodafone and a solution is more than anything what we need. Morning Patricia says a texter. Christmas greetings to you and all at C103. Indeed many happy returns. What was the amount of the bells for yesterday? This is our C103's Christmas coverage. I do believe it was 15 but we'll be playing out the winner later on on the programme today so we'll find out for sure. But I think I'm open to correction but I think it was uh, 15. Uh, Denny O'Brien in Liscarroll. Hi Patricia. Would you wish Philip Egan from Liscarroll the very best of luck with his newly published book please. Glad to do that. Really enjoyed the launch last night in the Charleville Park Hotel says Denny. So best of luck Philip Egan from Liscarroll uh, with his latest book. On Lisa Smith Breathe in Mill Street I, who says I hope things work out for Lisa Smith and for her little girl. Whatever happened to Everybody deserves a second chance. So breathe in Mill Street showing a bit of a Christian spirit towards uh, Lisa Smith because there certainly isn't a lot of that around at the moment. That's uh, for sure. And when we're talking about schools, primary schools, because I don't think presence for teachers is something that happens in secondary school. Am I right in saying that? It's only a primary school phenomena and it's only something that's come in the last maybe two 15, 20 years. I don't know how long it's actually been in, in existence. It's certainly when I was going to school, with, I never remember teachers getting a, a present at Christmas. Anyway, but it's, 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 a, it's a newish tradition. At Vickerstown National School, says this text jump, there's a voluntary, and it is voluntary, five euro per child collected by the parents. And it's all put together into one single voucher and it's used towards the Christmas dinner for the staff when they all have a school a staff night out. That's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. And again, 
voluntary. It's up to, if you, if you can afford it, give the fiver. If you can't, don't worry about it. And I'm assuming the teachers don't know from Adam who paid in, who didn't pay, pay, paid in. They get a voucher for however, a couple of hundred, whatever it is. And they go off and they have a, a jolly nice night. That's a good idea. That certainly is good. And I'm assuming the teachers prefer it that way as well. 1850 Lines are open. John Paul takes the calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow. A Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow. Open every weekend until Christmas. Now last week uh, the European Parliament held a vote that would effectively force the Irish government to end the winter fuel payments by next year. MEP for the South, Sean Kelly, joins me with more on this uh, story. Uh, Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Patricia. Nice to be with you. And, and uh, great to have you along. Now, this resolution is ahead of this month's UN Climate Change Conference, which we know is going ahead in Madrid. Can you explain what the resolution is about? Yes, the Parliament uh, set out its position both for the COP25, as it's called, Climate Change Conference next month, at uh, this month now, and uh, also for the new Green Deal, which the new president of the Commission, Ursula van der Leyen, is uh, putting together and will be bringing to us shortly. And, of course, what has happened in the last few months is that everybody has more or less uh, came on board in relation to the need to tackle climate change, but now some are bending over backwards to be greener than everyone else, and they're putting forward proposals that haven't been checked out financially, the impact assessment of them, and indeed whether they're affordable. And one of those came before Parliament last week as an amendment that all fossil fuel subsidies would be eliminated next year. Now, a fossil fuel subsidy would, as you rightly point out, uh, affect those who are getting a fuel allowance, the poorest in our societies, pensioners and so forth, and the vast majority of those have no choice only to use either coal, oil or gas for heating their homes. So this is something that I think that has to be looked at pretty dramatically and drastically to ensure it doesn't come in, because while we're all in favour of phasing out fossil fuels, you cannot do it overnight and you cannot let people uh, be left behind in the process, and that is something that I will be working on. Do you you know, do any other EU member countries pay out a fuel allowance on fossil fuel similar to what we pay here? Yeah, there would be different types of supports for the poorest in society across the European Union. And of course, in some countries like Poland, coal is hugely important for them. And if they were to have to end uh, all subsidies by next year, the, the country would probably nearly go bankrupt. And I think it points out the fact that, yes, we're all for increasing ambition, we're all for doing what we can, but you must look at the financial implications and the implications on people's lives. Early this morning, at o'clock, I was at a meeting here, and the title of the meeting was Climate Change, the Trillion Dollar Question, How Is It Going to Be Financed? That is something that many people aren't even bothering to think about. They're so anxious to move ahead with ambition that they're not looking at how it's going to be implemented, both from a financial point of view, but also even from a point of view of uh, strategy. Uh, are the skills there to do it? Is are the workforce uh, able to do it? And so forth. And I think that has to be looked at 
as quickly now as anything else. And was this resolution on the <coughs> levies on fossil fuels, was it passed? Yes, this amendment was passed. So what does that by, mean? It means now that it is part of the strategy and that the Commission must take it on board and look at it. But it isn't legislation, thankfully, okay. as yet. But it does set out the Parliament's position and it just shows you what could happen when legislation comes before Parliament where we would be legislating with support. And, and if, it like was, if it was legislated and the EU voted it through, would that mean that the Irish government would be forced to end fuel allowance? That is true. That is exactly, if it was legislation across Europe in relation to climate change, that's exactly what would happen. And that's why I'm trying to point out in time so that we can gather our forces and say, yes, we're going to do everything we can. We're going to have high targets. We must meet them, but we mustn't let people behind. Did did many people vote against the resolution, Sean? It was about, as I recall, about 400 to 200. 400 votes in favour, about 230 or something was against it. I'm assuming you, vote, you voted against, did you? I, I voted against that particular one. Yes, and did, did, other, did other Irish MEPs vote against it? Uh, my fellow MEPs in Fine Gael voted against it. I think Billy Keller voted against it. But I think, I think the others uh, probably voted for it. Goodness me. I mean, this has huge implications for so many vulnerable families in this country. It has huge implications and it's it's ridiculous. It makes no sense. I mean, we can do an awful lot in eliminating fossil fuels without starting uh, uh, with households poorest of the poor and putting them into probably danger of uh, uh, illness, death, suffering from cold next year and uh, possibly dying. And I think that's why I'm glad I, I spotted it, have an opportunity to highlight it and hopefully amend the legislation and ensure that Ursula van der Leyen, when she brings in her proposals, will uh, make exceptions for situations like this. While you get the overall picture, uh, definitely, and particularly moving from 40% to 55% target, which we support, but it must be done in a sensible and practical manner. And that's what's missing in some of these proposals. Yeah, I mean, everybody accepts that something has to be done about uh, climate change, but it's it's it almost uh, sounds like you know you're 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 breaking a, a nut with a sledgehammer. That's exactly it, yes. And you see, it's so easy for people to sit down and uh, put down amendments without looking at the consequences. And as I said, people are jumping over one other note, trying to be more ambitious than the next person. And if someone puts down forty-five, someone else put down fifty-five, the others have put down sixty-five, and so forth, without looking at the overall uh, effects and how it's going to be done. Yes, some reaction on this. Uh, PJ says, what suits in Milan and Lisbon may not suit in other parts, particularly northern parts of Europe, especially when those that make the rules are well paid in nice warm offices, haven't got a clue what's going on on the ground. And Dermot on our Twitter page at C103 Cork said, at some points during the winter months, Irish cities have worse air pollution than major metropolitan cities like Paris or London. This cannot continue. Dermot is was making the point that we we do have a problem with fossil fuels and air pollution. Oh, without a doubt. And I mean, I've been to the forefront of this for the last five years. It wasn't just this year I started. I actually was in charge of the renewable energy file in Parliament where we brought in regulations, which are laws now, where fossil fuels have to be uh, phased out 
and is replaced by renewables. But the point here is you can't do it overnight. And he's quite right. We need to ensure that the air quality is as good as possible. We need to combat climate change, but we must do it in a coherent manner and we must look at how we're going to do it and where the finance is going to come to, and especially those who might be most affected, that we help them to get over the transition. Okay, I have a feeling this is something we're going to be hearing a lot more about in the new year, Sean. Yes, I think that will come up again and uh, we will have to be vigilant, as I said, to be sensible, practical, but ambitious at the same time. Okay. All right. Uh, keep keep us up to date on this. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, Sean, thank you for that. And if we don't speak before Christmas, have a great Christmas. And, uh, thank you, Patricia, uh, and, uh, and all your listeners. Thank you very much. Right, thanks for that. Bye-bye. That is uh, Fine Gael, MEP for the South, Sean Kelly, on what certainly is a worrying piece of news. But at the moment, it's just a resolution. It isn't law. But if it becomes law, it would force the government's hand. They would no longer be able to pay out fuel allowance. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade. Open every weekend until Christmas. Here at C103, we're giving away shopping vouchers worth a total of €5,000. €5,000. C103's Christmas Covered is your chance to win a €500 one-for-all voucher. Listen at 9, 2 and 5 every day to count the Christmas bells. Then text or WhatsApp the total amount for your chance to win. C103's Christmas Covered. With Dennis and Mary Ryans, where the new 2020 C5 Aircross has arrived. Now open Sundays. See ryans.ie. Only on C103. Now, with Christmas fast approaching, many parents are scrambling to decide what to buy their children's teachers as a thank you present this year. Well, that's not the case for the children of Drumahan National School, because this Christmas, the Parents Association have come up with a rather kind initiative. Joining me is the principal of Drumahan National School, that uh, Dennis Murray, who joins me in studio this morning. Good morning to you, uh, Dennis. Good morning. Good morning uh, and you are, are very welcome. Now, this this initiative has come from the Parents Association. They're saying no presents for teachers this year. But what are they asking families to do? Um, what they're doing Just move into that microphone a little we're bit. We're very lucky, actually, that our Parents Association are very active and that they do a lot more than just fundraising. So this Christmas, what they've asked, they have put a collection box into every room. So we've nine classrooms. Um, four of those boxes, we're asking for non-perishable food donations for the Cork Homeless uh, Help and Support Group. The six last in have a separate box where we're looking for wool because one of our parents has connections with Glenmire Community College, an active retirement group. They knit for the homeless. Oh. So we're going to supply them with wool. How and terrific. The, <laughs> and the plan also is that maybe some of our six class who knit might get involved in that project as well. And then we have four other classes and they're collecting a variety of clothes items, hats, scarves, gloves, which we hope to give to the Simon community. So we're covering and, three different And you, you're areas. obviously talking to the children and making them aware that home, because um, in a village like Drumahan, they wouldn't be witnessing a lot of homelessness. Well, I suppose to be honest, Patricia, like our children in the school, thankfully, will get plenty for Christmas. And the whole thing about the giving and receiving from friends and family is important. But yeah, we're just trying to impress on them how fortunate they are and there are an awful lot of people out there a lot less fortunate and it's very important at a time like Christmas 
to think of those people and do what we can for them. I suppose yeah. at the bottom line, that's probably more important for the children than the English, Irish and maths. Yeah, you're dead you know, right. You're dead right. And are, are the children really embracing the notion of what they're doing? Oh, yeah. I mean, the boxes were put in the classes last week, but we were kind of holding today, you know, and we've our parent teacher meetings this week to kind of launch it. But I was in one room already this morning and the box was full. You know, so there's absolutely Isn't no doubt great? about and, that. Yeah. And children love that. And they oh, yeah, and they absolutely. love the idea of heading out with the parents at the weekend, buying the items or, or whatever. It's it it, it it's uh, it, it's terrific. And this whole thing about giving presence to teachers. I mean, you're teaching how many? 20? Too long. Two, 27. 27 years. 27 when you man. started teaching, was that tradition in place of presence or is, is it a newish tradition? It was always there for Christmas. Okay. But it has now even creeped into end of year as well. And I mean, there have been other years where we've politely suggested that there's no need for a gift at Christmas. But I mean, parents are very good. I suppose they appreciate the work that's being done and they will still do it, you know. But, but in I the majority of cases, teachers, I mean, while you, you obviously are very thankful and, and whatever, you, no, no teacher will ever look for these presents. Oh, no, absolutely not. Yeah. No. And as I say, more often than we would maybe put a note in a newsletter or whatever that there's absolutely no need for presents, but, you know, people yeah, are very yeah. good that way, yeah. But, but that's even, why coming yeah. up with an initiative like this that takes it away completely... And gives them another focus, yeah. yeah. And even today, now as part of it, we have a speaker, Nive Quain, coming in from the Simon community to talk to our senior classes about the work Simon do. So yeah. that at least then it'll just, you know, again, focus the children on what they're bringing in and where it's going to go and the good it's going to do. I like this idea of the basket with the box with the wool in it. Oh, yes, with the knitting. Let's say now one of our parents um, is in the Glenmire Community College and their TY work with the Active Retirement Group in Glenmire. Yeah. And they knit for the homeless. That's so. Yeah, like we're and covering Simon. We're covering the Cork Homeless Help and Support Group. We're covering Glenmire, and also normally our parents' association would give a gift to staff yeah. on the day of the holidays. So this year, in lieu of that, they are making a donation to the children's unit in the CUH. So we're trying to cover as many bases oh, as we possibly it, can. It's certainly all about giving this year, giving, isn't absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's great. It 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 really is great. And none of the teachers, all the teachers, very happy to pass on on presents. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. As you say, we, we never look for them anyway, and it is nice to get them. But this is, I think, a much better initiative. Yeah, it's great. It really is great. And and I, I'm hoping that other schools might pick up on it because I think it it has to come either from the staff themselves or, as you say, you've got a really strong parents association, Drumaham, which is it's terrific. All it takes is somebody to make the suggestion, this is what we're going to do this year. I think it takes a lot of pressure off parents as well, trying oh, to come up with ideas for presents and... Yeah, and even that's one of the reasons why we label the boxes. So, for example, fifth class know they're bringing in perishable food items. Fourth class, I can't think exactly, but they may be bringing in thermal hats. Yeah. Third class, again, maybe perishable items. Second class are bringing in gloves. So it absolutely takes the pressure off. Yeah. And this week, now with our parent-teacher meetings, the boxes will be on display in the room so all the parents will know exactly Everybody what gets their to children's see. class are doing. Yeah. Okay, and while we're talking about the Parents Association, because you do have a very strong Parents Association in, in Drumahan, um, I, I saw on their Facebook page yesterday the Christmas Fair. Is, this is an annual event? Well, this is the second annual Christmas That's Fair. second, OK. Yeah, they held it last year in the local community centre in Drumahan. And I suppose, fortunately, in one way, it turned out to be small, too small a venue. So this year, we're moving over to the community centre in Glantan. OK. At one o'clock this Sunday, there'll be a selection of Christmas dolls, a good place to get your Christmas presents. The children themselves will be performing. 
Um, we have our school choir will be performing and a few of the classes will be performing. We're after producing a school calendar and a school CD. They'll both be on sale on the day. So again, a nice family day out and just to maybe start the whole spirit of Christmas. Well done. Well done. And you, you, even though you're a rural school, you're a big rural school, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, we'd have 238 pupils, 160 families. That's so in terms of rural, yeah. yeah, we would be quite a big rural school. Have you, yeah, a Christmas play or do you put on Christmas plays? Um, or junior classes are doing smaller plays where we will bring in the parents in the morning and have a cup of tea with yeah. the parents and the kids will do their 10 minutes, which they absolutely love. Ah, you know? And so do the parents. Absolutely. So do the yeah. parents. There's something magical about those plays there really is uh, listen Dennis it's a fantastic initiative well done to everybody involved in Drumahan National School and the, the Christmas Craft Fair Glantown Community Centre next Sunday between 1 and, and 5 1 to 5 1 to exactly. 5 ok listen thanks a million thank you for joining us in no the studio problem. Thank you that's the, the principal of Drumahan National School Dennis Murray a number of people saying well done to what a terrific initiative on behalf of Drumahan National School and such a caring message as well isn't it for the children because the message that the children are taking away that Christmas isn't all about you know receiving and getting presents and what Santa Claus is going to going to leave you it's also about giving something I think it's they're they're they are giving a great message uh, to the young people as well. It's it's terrific. So well, well, well done. Uh, listener says, I blame principals in schools for allowing presents for teachers. It's OK if you can afford it, but it can be very hard on some parents, particularly parents who are struggling. And what if you've got more than one child? You end up having to buy numerous presents. Also, parents associations could stop it if they wanted to. And indeed, the class teacher has a role to play by telling the pupils that she doesn't, he or she doesn't want uh, presents. Well, the, the, the drama hand one that we were just talking about, that that came from their parents' association. They went to the school and said, look, we've got this idea. Rather than give presents out to teachers this year, we'd like each class to collect for the needy. Let's see what we can do. And then they got onto the various charities who obviously were only too pleased to get involved. So, you know, it, it has to start somewhere. Someone, ha- somewhere has, someone has to come up with the idea of we don't want all these presents. Teachers don't want all these presents. Let's think of those people that are less fortunate. But I just think what Drumahan have done is clever in that they're including the children and it's very much the children are at the centre of it. They're seeing the boxes fill up you know, having somebody in from the Simon community to talk to the children. These are children then who will go away and will think about people less well off than themselves and they'll have a much better appreciation, I think, of their own Christmas uh, as well. Uh, 1850-333-103. I'm looking for a bit of help with genealogy and ancestry and all of that. I've been contacted from the States by, funny enough, um, somebody I went to school with and she's contacted me on behalf of an American woman who is trying to trace her, trying to do a bit of work on her family tree. And she's done a lot. This woman has done a lot of researching and she sent me on. I've got to kind of the bones of the research that she's done at the moment. But in particular, she's kind of coming up against a brick wall with her, a man by the name of she has him down as Timothy Driscoll, who was born in 1820 to 1822. Somewhere, it started out somewhere in County Cork, but it turns out it's somewhere in West Cork, Beira Peninsula. I'm looking down through some of the research she's done. It looks like it could be around the Dunmanway area, but he was born circa 1820, 1822. Uh, Most records are indicating it is 1822. And then he went on to marry a Sarah Shepherd in 1945. And then between some time, between 1846 and 1846, and 1849, which 
with what would have been the height of the famine, they emigrated to New York. Now, as I say, she's done a lot of research, but she just needs an extra little bit of help. She's trying to find more information about Timothy Driscoll, who I reckon probably was Timothy O. Driscoll. Would I be right in saying that? Maybe I'm completely wrong there. Anyway, so I'm looking for somebody or if somebody can suggest where I can send all of this information that I've received, a couple of pages that I've received. And I need a contact that I can put this lady in the States onto. And she's kind of scrambling at the moment because she's doing this work on behalf of her mother, who's obviously very proud of their Irish connections and their West Cork connections. And unfortunately, her mother isn't too well at the moment. And they want to kind of fit in the final pieces of the jigsaw, final pieces of this uh, puzzle, and they'll have completed their family tree. So what I'm looking for is suggestions, please, on who do I need to be talking to? Who do I need to be emailing? Who do I put this lady onto so that she can pass on the information that she has and that somebody might be at the click of a button, somebody might have access to parish records? I'm thinking... It's pointing towards Dunmanway. It mightn't be Dunmanway, but Dunmanway certainly is mentioned. Bandon is also mentioned at one stage, but I just, I have a feeling it's somewhere. It's the the O'Driscolls from somewhere in and around the Dunmanway area. And I know before people te- people say anything, I am, I am well aware, my married name is O'Driscoll, so I'm well aware that it is a West Cork name and there was a lot of O'Driscolls would have left West Cork over the years. So can you help us out on that one? Just as I say, just want to be pointed in the right direction. I don't want this woman wasting any more of her time because she seems to have done... I, I, it's, there's nothing better than to see somebody who's put a lot of time and a lot of effort into it. They're the very people that we need to give a little bit of a help out. It's just, you know, and it probably the information she's looking for is probably at the click of a button somewhere because a lot of the parish records now have been com- computerised. So it's got to be somebody out there in the Dunmanway area, maybe historical society, somebody working in ancestry who may be able to help us out. So if you know of somebody, can you let us know, please? Either give John Paul a call at 1850-333-103 or you can text her WhatsApp 86 We need to head to the newsroom for news at 11. Uh, In the next hour, we're going to be looking at these figures that have just been revealed, showing that nearly 17,000 children are awaiting treatment for hospitals, not nationwide, just here in the south. When I saw the figure, I was thinking that must be a nationwide figure. There couldn't be that many children awaiting treatment, but it's not. It's here in the south. It's just you have to ask the question, are are, are our children being left down when it comes to the health service when you see figures like that? So we'll discuss that and more. That's all coming up after news at 11. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration, festive food and fun, the Ferris wheel and so much more on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow, open every weekend until Christmas. There are now even more ways to listen to C103. Tune in on your radio, go online or grab our mobile app. And now you can ask your smart speaker to play C103. Play C103. Okay. So you can just follow me. Try it now. Try it now. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Thank you to a number of people who heard my plea that I put out on behalf of this American family who are doing their bit to put together a family tree and they've kind of come a cropper even though a lot of, they've done a lot of work uh, so far and it's a Timothy Driscoll who would have left 
West Cork sometime between 1846 and 1849 and uh, they're trying to track down they seem to be just caught on getting information about Timothy Driscoll and the lady he married, who was a lady by the name of uh, Sarah Shepherd. They married in nineteen forty in eighteen forty five. Anyway, uh, and I, I said when I went through the information that she has sent on to me, there seemed to be a connection with Dunmanway. It was believed that uh, Timothy was christened in Dunmanway. I straight away have get, I'm getting people suggesting, including Councillor Declan Hurley, uh, to say get on to the Dunmanway Historical Society. They were. Uh, the Manway Historical Association they will be the people to help you out and lo and behold Anne from the Dunmanway Historical Association has asked me to send on all the info that I have and uh, they'll try and help so thank you that is really really kind and generous and a number of people have suggested them and John Paul says there's some other uh, suggestions of where I can go for help as well so thank you to people it would be lovely if we were able to help out this family any way that we can Okay some of your thoughts and comments coming into us we were talking about the fuel allowance and just raising this as a, as in just to keep it on our radar that because it worries me when things break in Europe and resolutions and legislation is passed and it happens almost very quietly without us ever knowing anything about it and then suddenly changes come into this country and the government are able to turn around and point to the EU and say our hands are tied this is EU legislation if we're members of the EU then we have to abide by their rules and regulations and there's nothing we could do about it and I'm always and we know the things like that has happened in the past so I'm always fearful so when something like this is flagged that could affect very vulnerable people i.e. the fuel allowance could be no more then we need to stay on top of this we need to keep our focus on it and keep it in the news and get people talking about it so that when decisions are made it's not going to affect very vulnerable people Eugene on our Twitter at C103 Corks has a couple of options what the government could do this is if their hands were forced and that they weren't allowed to give out a fuel allowance on fossil fuel Eugene says what they could do is they could increase the normal weekly payment by the same amount that the fuel allowance is so there wouldn't be a fuel allowance technically but there would be no loss to the pensioner or to other recipients Mm. don't know if it would be quite as easy as that because if you increase I know what you're saying if you increase say the fuel allowance was 20 euro they lose the fuel allowance and you give them 20 euro extra on their pension you'd have to give it to everyone on social welfare and not everyone on social welfare is entitled to fuel allowance so there could be a bit of a problem there but I like you thinking I know where you're coming from we want to make sure that these vulnerable people are not out of pocket and then another one and the more important one is he said develop deep retrofitting of homes so that they don't lose heat well that is part of the government's plan on climate change but that's going to be a very very slow process and it needs we need to speed up that process and when we're talking of older people living in older houses they're probably the first ones that should be done because that older stock of houses are not insulated the way the more modern ones are but I like your thinking uh, Eugene trying to come up with a solution to it thank you for that 1850 uh, still getting in calls on Lisa Smith um, I agree with Breda one of your earlier texters this was Breda in Mill Street who is really hoping that things work out for Lisa Smith and her daughter and Breda was the one reacting to the n- huge number of people who contacted us yesterday who are not happy about Lisa Smith coming back into this country not happy about the government welcoming her uh, back and Breda was making the point 
everyone deserves a second chance and whatever happened to that I mean are we, were we not all raised to believe that people can make a mistake and that everybody deserves uh, a second chance so this other texter agrees with Breather. Lisa Smith does deserve a second chance as this texter who makes another point she's somebody's daughter think of her parents and what they must be going through please God things will work out for all concerned and that's uh, from Phil who's enjoying the programme thank you for that Phil yeah and you want things to work out not just for Lisa Smith but you want them to work out for a little two year old girl who's the real innocent party in all of this and Phil is also right her parents and her other family her extended family her siblings they've done nothing wrong you know and they're all suffering because of it as well so yeah let's keep our fingers crossed and hope everything does work out for her uh, Tim says Lisa Smith committed no crime in Ireland when she was in the defence forces she did more for her country than the people who are questioning her says Tim so that's, that's a lot of it's good to see there's a lot of support coming in for Lisa Smith today which is to say the exact opposite maybe yesterday was just the initial reaction to her arriving back in the country. Maybe people are softening a little bit towards her now. Only time will tell. I mean, I think it's what will happen with this questioning that's going on in the Garda station. Will a file be sent to the DPP? Will she be prosecuted? Will she be found guilty of a crime? And it's only then, I think, uh, things will change and, and the opinion and view of her uh, may change. We'll, we'll, we will wait and uh, see. On Christmas. Hi Patricia. This, the name on this made me smile. It's signed Mrs Claus. <laughs> Hi Patricia. Could you please put this out there? The Christmas lights in Bantry are absolutely beautiful and the upper part of the town is great. But there's a pot going. What's wrong with the lower part of town? The snug, the Bantry Bay, the Keys and the brick oven? Not an outside light between them. Would they wake up please? It's Christmas. And that signed Mrs Claus. Maybe they're just a bit late putting up their lights. So the lower end of Bantry town. Upper end has got it all right. You're looking very festive and beautiful. And uh, Mrs Claus is enjoying that. But for the lower end she's fearful her husband might be too happy with the lower end of town. So the good people of Bantry please get working on your Christmas lights. While I'm on about the good people of Bantry. Remember last week, Marie from Kilnamartra uh, joined us. Her little one had lost her first pair of shoes. She had been visiting Bantry Hospital and she took the little one out of the car, put her into the pram and they were a new pair of shoes and her first pair of shoes and she was kicking at the shoes and one shoe was coming off and then the other one would come off and so Marie decided I don't want to lose those shoes as they're her first pair so she took them off them, off, off her and she thought she put them underneath on the pram but she thinks in hindsight she in fact she left them on the roof of the car and then when she drove off they fell off and they were gone and she went back and she looked for them she contacted the hospital but there was no sign of the shoes so she came on to us and we put it out on the radio to see if anyone had spotted this pair of shoes Lo and behold I saw up on the Bantry Tidy Towns Facebook page at the weekend A lovely, happy ending to this story. And the post read, having made numerous inquiries with regards to trying to locate the missing pair of children's shoes, we inquired from John Connolly this afternoon if he'd seen the shoes in his travels around town. He said he did, but he had no idea where they disappeared to. Without being asked, after work that evening, John Connolly went through the large bins in the council yard, not that anyone really wants, not that a work job that nobody wants to do after work. He did it on Friday evening 
lo and behold, he found one shoe. And then he eventually found the other one. So they've reported a very happy mammy this evening. Thanks to John Connolly. The kindness of some people really is truly amazing. So well done and take a bow, John Connolly, on behalf of everyone. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow, open every weekend until Christmas. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click regional reports or download the C103 app and click podcasts. Regional reports only on C103. The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So, if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. C103. Cork Today on C. 103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And uh, Geraldine said, isn't it fantastic to hear that, that those shoes were reunited? A happy mammy and a happy little girl. Geraldine said, the power of Facebook found those little shoes. I'm so happy for the mama and the baby. In fairness, it was the power of this man, John Connolly in Bantry, who went through, after finishing his day's work, he, he obviously, does he, I'm assuming he works with the council and somebody from the Teddy Towns had just asked him and he spotted the shoes. Somebody had just put them into the bin, which is in itself disappointing and shocking that when somebody saw that pair of shoes and they were perfect little pair of shoes, nothing wrong with them at all, that even if somebody had discarded them, you would think, pick them up and drop them into a charity shop if you're not going to go to the bother of trying to find the owner but you just put them into the bin but John Connolly went through the large bins in the council yard in order to unearth the he found one and then he said, well, if there's one there, the second one must be there. I mean, what a what a great, great man. Well done to uh, John Connolly. But yeah, it's a happy news story and it was just terrific. I think it's the fact, as Marie, when she was talking to us, while they were relatively new, I think they were only about three weeks old, it wasn't even the fact that it was the cost, because I was thinking, God, you know, kids' shoes cost a lot of money. It wasn't even the cost. It was the very fact that it was her little girl's first pair of shoes and there's something nice about maybe hanging on, you know, putting me into a memory box. The fact that it's the very first pair of shoes that she bought for her daughter. And that to me was why she appeared so upset and wanting to get the shoes back. So it's it's a terrific good news story. So I'm sure Marie in Kilnamartra is, as Jordan said, a very happy mammy that she got the pair of shoes back. And by the way, a Lombardstown listener has been on to say, did any of your listeners receive an email from Aer Lingus stating that they had won two flight tickets 
to any destination in the world. Click on the link within 48 hours. I presume it's a hoax. Absolutely it is a hoax. Steer well clear. It's a newish one on me. I don't know. There was, there certainly was ones doing the round from Aer Lingus saying that you could get a flight anywhere in the world for 10 euro and Aer Lingus came out straight away and said that is not us. Nothing at all to do with us and that they are phishing emails. They want people to engage with them. They want people to click on the links. Aer Lingus had a number of scam texts that were doing the rounds. There was a WhatsApp one that was 100% fake last year and the whole idea is they want you, they make it look like they're from Aer Lingus. They usually are very clever looking. They do look like that they come from Aer Lingus but absolutely nothing whatever to do with their lingus. So do not click on the link, just delete it and let us give it out as a word of warning to others that it seems to be the one doing the rounds at the moment an email this time it's an e- email so the last time I think we spoke about Erlingus it was a text message or a WhatsApp message but this is an email one so please be careful of that particular scam now the Irish Hospital Consultants Association has called for full transparency on the numbers of children waiting to access treatment in the South Southwest Hospital Group's public Hospitals. Last week it was revealed that almost 17,000 hidden children are waiting for treatment here in the South. To discuss what's going on, I'm joined by Martin Varley, who is the Secretary General of the Irish Hospital Consultants Association. Good morning to you, Martin. Good morning, Patricia. Martin, can you start by explaining why we don't regularly hear about the number of children who are on waiting lists here in the South of the country? The difficulty is is that the statistics don't actually report and, and uh, the figures on children waiting in the various hospitals outside of the Dublin Children's Hospital. And as a result, the numbers of children waiting nationally uh, is far, far bigger than we had understood here before. It's about 117,000. I think the National Children's Hospital accounts for about half those, but the rest are actually scattered all around the country and in hospitals such as in, in the South Southwest Hospital Group in Cork, Kerry, Waterford and South Tip. Uh, when we know that there are approximately 17,000 children waiting. That's probably not even the full figure. Uh, so it's a real problem. Uh, it needs to be far more transparent. We need to be able to know what specialists are waiting. We know, in fact, from looking at some of the staff, we can see that obviously it's a lot of people waiting for paediatric care, but they're all children and they're waiting for a paediatric cardiologist, paediatric endocrinologist, paediatric neurologist, and respiratory, etc. And of course, uh, we have children with scoliosis waiting as well. And that's fairly widely reported. Yeah, already. yeah, the scoliosis one we hear we hear a lot about. And I'm assuming the majority of those children, Martin, would be waiting to access the, the Cork's main acute public hospitals. Yes, and I don't have full breakdown on that. The parliamentary question was asked by Stephen Donnelly, the uh, spokesperson on health, uh, sought the information based on, and was provided to him on the sort of group. So I don't have full breakdown as to which hospitals, but I expect you're absolutely right. Uh, CUH has to be one of the bigger ones and Watford and of course in Trilly as well in Clonmel. But doesn't, I I don't quite understand why why are the Dublin, do the Dublin hospitals, they publish their figures monthly, don't they? They do, and that's because the Dublin Children's Hospitals now, which are Temple Street in Crumlin and the Children's Hospital in Tala, they're all part of uh, CHI, which is Children's Health Ireland, which is a new merged entity. And of course, they report the waiting figures, so they are identifiable as children waiting. 
Are these figures, and of course those Dublin figures would also have children from the south, wouldn't they, who are, would need they to attend? That's absolutely true. So the figures we have now for the south west group of about 17,000 doesn't capture all the children south waiting for care in children's hospitals. There's some obviously included in the Dublin figures. And in addition, there are some which are not in any figures, such as the, the figures do not include to date, to my knowledge, they don't include children with a diagnostic scan such as MRI scans or radiology scans. Those figures are only there to Yeah, you just move around slightly with your phone, Martin. Yeah, these figures are only the children who have a diagnosis and the treatment has been decided. Well, they, they include outpatients, children waiting for outpatients, so that's a, an outpatient appointment with a consultant. And they include inpatients, those who are waiting for inpatient surgery, etc. What they don't include is children waiting for diagnostics or MRI scans and radiology well, scans. Well, so that, that, that figure could be so much hi- higher. Is there a feeling amongst consultants, Martin, that the health system is failing many of our children? Yes, I think that that's absolutely true. Like, we represent the vast majority of consultants in the country. And the level of frustration that we cannot treat patients in general on time, but in particular children on time, is at an all-time high. And this is largely because there has been insufficient investment in our health service in terms of capital infrastructure, in terms of beds, etc., in terms of equipment to carry out diagnostics. We have had a decade of underinvestment. And once you underinvest for a decade, the problems start to uh, present themselves as we're seeing currently. So it's a huge problem from a children's point of view. Children are suffering, they're waiting for care. 17,000 is the same as the population in or Ballincollig, it's a huge population from the point of view of the south southwest, and children need to be seen much more quickly. Of the 17,000, they're waiting over half of them, waiting more than six months. And some of the leading pediatricians would say no child should be left waiting anything over three, maybe six months at the absolute maximum, and that they should get treatment early because early treatment for children is more important than anybody else. Absolutely. And, you know, whatever about an adult waiting to get treatment, that can be hard enough. But, I mean, how do you explain to a child you're, you're on a waiting list? And these, I mean, these, these, some of these children are missing out on some of the most precious years of their lives. They'll never get those years back. Absolutely. It can be a very simple thing or unfortunately it can be a very serious thing. But, for example, a child might have hearing problems and it could be due to a condition that can be alleviated by the insertion of grommets. And that affects the child in terms of the child's progression in school, in terms of how well they get on, in terms of the integration with other children, etc. So if, you, if your hearing is impaired because of something as simple as that, and you're putting up with that for years, it actually impacts on your schooling and your yeah. development. Yeah. And there's many other more serious conditions that actually uh, children are waiting to be diagnosed and treated for. Okay, and then this notion of, of, you know, I think people are quite taken aback that we don't publish the figures, but what difference would publishing the figures on a monthly basis make? I think it's hugely important because transparency is very important. Um, we didn't know there were 17,000 children waiting in the South, Southwest Group. We didn't know there were 117,000 waiting nationally. But I think when you get the figures out there, you have a much more limited chance of actually getting the resource you need to actually treat people on time. It's a hidden problem which you actually have the transparency. So we need to get the figures out. We need absolute transparency. And then we have to actually put the capacity in place so that we can actually address the problem so people can get treated on time. 
Otherwise, we're in the dark and that's not good for anybody. Okay, and as with the adult population, Martin, are we back to bed shortages and indeed ongoing consultant recruitment crisis? Is that part of the problem? We are just, uh, I often describe it as a twin capacity deficit in our hospitals, uh, which needs to be addressed. First and foremost, we need enough consultants so we don't have people on waiting lists. Nationally, we have over a half a million people, including adults, obviously, on waiting lists to have an appointment, first appointment, with a consultant. And just as we've been discussing the case of children, we need to have people uh, being assessed by a consultant very early on, within three months at maximum, and then treat quickly, because the sooner you get treated, the better. And of course, that's when your beds come in. Uh, we need to actually be able to get people into hospital without people having to be on trolleys, and without long waiting lists for operations. So those two trend capacity deficits have to be dealt with, and consultants and ourselves have been running a campaign on social media, and also in local papers in recent times, care can't wait. And effectively what we're saying is we have to stand up for patients. We have to actually say to the politicians, we have to invest in these things so we don't have these weaknesses, which is unacceptable and doesn't happen in any other country. So we have to invest in our healthcare, we have to invest in our public hospitals because the public are dependent on the public hospitals to be there when they need them. Okay, we'll leave it there, Martin. Listen, thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Good morning to you. That is Martin Varley, who is the Secretary General of the Irish Hospital Consultants Association, 1850-333-103. A number of uh, texts and comments coming in now on the fuel allowance and the possibility that the EU could force the hand of the Irish government and force them to stop paying out the fuel allowance during the winter. Jim says all all old council cottages should be retrofitted with external insulation and it should be done by the councils, says Jim. That's on the point that somebody was making that if we retrofit a lot of the homes, uh, people then could reduce, you could reduce fuel allowance to people if you made their houses warmer so they wouldn't have to burn as much fuel but a lot of the people who are receiving fuel allowance are in homes that don't have proper insulation and that's the reason that so, so many of them are reliant on fossil fuels and they're burning so much fossil fuels because their houses simply are just too cold. And uh, Tim says the name of the fuel allowance should be changed to heating assistance covering solar panel maintenance and a windmill in the back garden are something of their choice. If Billy Kelleher, new MEB, voted for this proposal, Fianna Fáil will have some explaining to do if they want to be back in government, says uh, Tim. Uh, yeah, I'll see if we can get, maybe John Paul might be able to get a breakdown of who voted on the proposal or not. I did ask uh, Sean Kelly and he wasn't aware how everybody voted except that it was about half of the MEPs voted against it. Well, it wasn't half. I think it was about a third voted against it and two thirds voted for it. The resolution was passed anyway, for sure. How many of them were Irish MEPs and from what parties? I don't know. And then Anne says, if the government stop bringing, um, oh, sorry, Jackie on our C103 Facebook page. This is on this whole fuel allowance. Watch this space. Our, our government will jump on this because, in inverted commas, they will have to do what they're told. In the EU, they are a very compliant bunch of people so they can use the EU to stop paying it out and say, we were forced to do it. We don't have any choice. And Anne says, if the government stop bingo, there will there's a protest going on at the Dáil today. I won't vote for any of them again and add that into the free, free fuel allowance, uh, says Anne. And when Anne is talking about the bingo, 
bingo and it is something we're going to we won't be we won't get to it until tomorrow because the protest is on today but we have made contact with this group called Save Our Bingo and they are as we speak holding a rally outside Leinster House today and we know because we've tried in the past to talk to people when they're protesting outside Leinster House and it always ends up as a disaster so we've they've agreed to join us tomorrow on the programme and the reason that bingo, these are the bingo hall owners and people who regularly go to bingo are turning up outside Leinster House uh, today bingo halls could be forced to close is the argument if the new gambling laws which is capping prize money leads to a drop off in footfall now that's what the operators are saying legislation planned to modernise gambling laws is, are due to go before the doll tomorrow now part of the rules and regulations is going to govern bingo a lot of what's contained in this gambling laws we were only talking about it um, um, that was it last week we spoke about it on, on the programme when we, we were dealing with gambling uh, we had Gambling Ireland on at the programme just talking about there is there is a need to update the legislation our, le- our legislation when it comes to gambling is, is so old and so dated but in the middle of all of that bingo is going to get affected because yes bingo is a form of gambling so the idea from the government is that there is going to be a cap on the prize money of 50% of the bingo halls taking on any night. So they can't they can't give out any more than 50% and 50% is the maximum that they can give out and that is a huge drop from the current prize rates which are between 75 and up to 85% of the takings can go back out in prize money. So they, I, I'm assuming the thought pattern on behalf of the bingo hall owners if they're able, if they're paying out less by way of a jackpot then people are simply not going to go. The footfall is going to go down and if the footfall goes down they'll make less money at the door which means the jackpot will fall further and they're feeling they will simply go out of business. Now, a lot of the people protesting today are from the general Dublin area where it seems to be huge businesses. They're big. There's, it's a big business in Dublin like various operators will own a number of local building bingo halls and they're fearful that they are going to close down. So we'll talk about it because it's not just going to affect Dublin, it's going to affect bingo halls all over the country. And we know, certainly here in Cork, bingo is a very, very popular hobby. Would you call it a hobby? You would. And I know before people say, but Patricia, it's a form of gambling. I know it's a form of gambling. But people see it as a social event. People use it as a social event. It is, it's, for some bingo fans, the only time that they go out in any kind of a social capacity is when they go to bingo and it gets them out. And if they didn't at the bingo, they'd be stuck indoors all the time. So, I mean, if it's anything, I think that get people out and about and mixing and socialising and chatting and meeting up with friends has got to be uh, welcomed and if they're spending a few bob at the same time should they could be doing worse 1850 your thoughts um, and your fears around bingo and the fear that uh, you could lose bingo could be no more it will be a thing that we'll talk about remember back in the day when we went to bingo and we'll be telling future generations about it because it will be done and dusted and uh, under these proposed laws the fear is that there will be closure of bingo halls all over the country John Paul takes your calls 1850 333103 text or whatsapp 0862 103 
103. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade. Open every weekend until Christmas. Hello, this is Eric Griffin. Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems. Hello, this is Sean Keane. Hello, this is Cathy Durkin. Hi, this is Louise Morrissey. Hi, this is Mick Flavin. Hello, this is Declan Ernie here and you're listening to Eric Griffin on Country and Irish on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish remains right here on C103. Now, this at Christmas, a group of residents from Domamwe will continue the town's proud tradition of hosting a community Christmas Day dinner for anyone who's alone or simply can't afford it. Joe Caldwell is one of the team of volunteers involved and uh, Joe joins me. Good morning to you, Joe. Good morning, Patricia. Now, is this event much more than just having a hot meal on Christmas Day? Oh, yes, it's very much uh, more than that. The um, the main thrust of the meal of the day is for people to have somewhere to go and to have other people to be with. Um, so yes, we do serve a dinner and everything that goes with it, but the main thing is to give someone a venue and some company on the day. Well done, well done. And it's the full Christmas dinner with all the trimmings? Yep, everything, <laughs> soup starter, main course, and then desserts and Christmas cake and everything else. And turkey and ham, is it? Turkey and ham, yeah. yes. We, were... did, we did five massive turkeys last year and uh, four hams, so yes. Now, talk me through the logistics. How many? How many did you cook for last year? Um, in the end, we cooked for. We served more than fifty meals on oh. the day, <laughs> um, and um, we were fortunate because we'd had such great sponsorship. We were also able to cook enough to give everyone a dinner to take home for Stevens's day as well. So that was a hundred dinners. Yep. <laughs> And talk me through the logistics. How do you cook 100 dinners? Um, Well, last year we were fortunate enough to have uh, Mike Allen, who's the chef in the Parkway Hotel, um, cook it for us. And um, the Parkway were very good in letting us have their facilities to do that. Um, And then um, prior to that, though, on Christmas Eve, we had a whole army of volunteers um, prepping the vegetables. So we had sort of over 80 kilos of potatoes and sprouts (laughs) and carrots and stuff. Um, But actually, it was all great fun. And um, we set the tables and everything on Christmas Eve. So um, it didn't seem like a chore, even though when we were looking at all these sacks and sacks of vegetables, I was thinking, oh my goodness, we might, we might not even be ready for next Christmas. Yeah, but that's that's where many hands make light work, exactly, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And, and when very you're... experienced hands as well, I have to say. Were they? And luckily for me, they've all volunteered again this year. Have so, they? Isn't, yeah. isn't that? I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, Christmas Eve can be a busy time in most households. You know, it's really good of people it to say, to give their time. I'll give I up know. a few hours and go peel spuds for you. It's great. Yeah. It's great. People but, are wonderful. I know, but you know, the whole thing was prepped and ready on Christmas Day in under three hours. It was amazing, wow. really. Wow. So, uh, yes. How, what, how do you fund it? Um, it's all funded by donations. Um, business sponsorship in Dunmanway, I have to say, the businesses and um, the community in Dunmanway are very, very generous um, with both their time and their money. Um, but la- And last year, we even had present donations and food donations from the wider area in West Cork. So, um, yes, it's quite incredible the support that we get to do it. And, Joe, you don't ask people why they are attending. No, it's just, if don't. you want to come, please join us. Isn't yes, that exactly. their message? Yes, they, whatever their own reason is, 
that's their reason and we won't ask them if they if they book to come along that's great because it gives us an idea of what we're doing but even we had a few quite a few people turn up on the day last Did year and Did if you? that happens then we can make it work as well so if they want to join us we're more than happy to have them and it's in Cox's Cox's, Cox's Hall. Hall again yeah. so an, an, another big thank you to Reverend Cliff Jeffers and Select Vestry of St Mary's for letting us have the use of the hall again because um, it, it's, it's a lovely venue to have it in. So. And where, where do you get all the plates and the knives and the forks and the spoons? I'm thinking, God, I'm thinking of the logistics of this. Um, Cox's Hall is, is quite well provided for but, but Martin Mabry at the Parkway is great as well really? and um, he he lets us have um, or let us have last year whatever we needed. So um Yes, and then, of course, things like serviettes and crackers and all that stuff, um, that all gets given in as donations. So it's fantastic, really. And that's just what, pe- members of the public help you out? Yeah, you know, I have people come coming up to me when I'm shopping or in the post office and hand me presents or money. And, yeah, it's just incredible, really. And the people who attend, are they all from Dunmanway or no, no, outside, outside the area as well? There's a few from Dunmanway, but we have people from Castletown there to Castletown's end wow. coming along. And, and we're lucky that um, local link rural transport have given us um, the free use of two minibuses on the day again. So um, for anyone who has difficulty getting to Cox's Hall but would like to join us, then we'll go and collect them and drop them home as well. So oh, we've got volunteer drivers. To you do have that as this. Well. You have this nails. You've got this totally <laughs> covered. Well done. Oh, well, it, it, well it, done. It is a fantastic event, Patricia, for for people to come along, even if they just want to pop in, and if they can't, you know, join us for the whole day but if they want to pop in and say hello to some of the guests that turn up and just sit and chat to them then that's actually a great thing to do as well. Well you think of people who will for whatever reason are on their own but you know they've fallen out with family they don't have family there's nobody left around them exactly. uh, and that loneliness and, and I know that loneliness is there all year round but on Christmas day of all days. To, to sit on your own. Yeah. yeah there's just something very very sad about that so to have Something like this organised. It's yes. just tremendous. It, it really is tremendous. Are you looking for anything in particular this year, Joe? Or um, I- well, I'm I'm just looking for as many people to come along and join us on the day as they can. Okay. If people want to donate um, small presents or what have you, we, we were lucky enough last year to be able to give all of the attendees a present as well on the oh, day. Oh, so they went away with a Christmas present. Sa- did, Santa yes, arrived we, as well for them. Santa and we had two wonderful, very young elves last year as well. Great. So, yes. Um, but, yeah, also this year we've got um, West Cork FM are going to broadcast live on the day from the dinner as well. So they'll have nice Christmas tunes playing, which will be terrific. Yes, and we've got some entertainers coming along and... In the morning, we usually have some children singing songs and carols as well. And so that's quite, that's great that they're willing to give up their Christmas morning to come along and entertain these people as well. And Joe, what do you and the volunteers get out of it? Oh, we just have a ball, really. It's just such great fun. That's the best thing, really. And for me, looking round the hall last year, just my personal reflection was just to see everyone laughing and smiling and joining in with each other. It just made the day, really. It was just perfect. I couldn't what? describe it, really. Was it emotional? I did have a little cry at one yeah. stage. Yes, yeah. I did. Yeah, it was um, when the small children got up and started singing. It was just magical. 
Yeah, a way in a manger gets me every time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's it's brilliant. Well done to you and to the rest of the team. Can, can I just say thank you? You to, can, yeah. To yeah. all my volunteers and um, the entertainers and everyone who helps make it the day that it is. Um, and the people who, there's, there's a quite a, a big group of women who cook the starters and donate all the desserts and everything. But to everyone who helps in whatever way, um, big or small, it, it's all very much appreciated and we're very grateful for it. And how do people contact you if they'd like to book a slot and join you on the day? Um, they can do it on the Facebook page, okay. which um, the Manway Community Christmas Dinner, or they can um, message me on my mobile, which is 85 and we have that on file here as well. Yeah. Okay, listen, Joe. And thanks uh, again for having me. Well, it's, it's, a, it's our pleasure. It's a wonderful, wonderful an, initiative. And it, it's one of those things that I wish was happening in every village and every town. But unfortunately, it, it can't. that can't always happen. But well done. Enjoy it yourselves. And, and a happy and peaceful Christmas to you, Thank Joe. Thank you, Patricia. Thank thanks you Thanks for much. joining us. God bless. Bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye. That is uh, Joe Codwell uh, joining us from the Domamway Community Christmas Dinner Initiative. It's, it's terrific. And please... If you are in that in the area and you're going to be on your own, don't be on your own. There's some place where you can go. So no questions asked. They don't ask why people are there and what's anybody's circumstances. You can be from a prince to a pauper. It doesn't matter. It's all free of charge and they just want you to have a really nice Christmas Day and we don't want anyone to be lonely this year. So if you're in and around Cox's Hall in Dunmanway. Uh, why not? Why not go along? Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. You're listening to Cork today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And I want to do a quick shout out because I got in some correspondence from Ger Healy along with the other group of builders who were organising a sale of craft items last Saturday at the Steps shop just close to the plaza in Mallow. These are a group of builders who went to Belarus couple of months ago they were doing some building work doing some renovation renovating work in schools and hospitals over in Belarus just charity work that they do and they came across a daycare centre where they discovered the children were extremely good with their hands and making the most magnificent crafts they were boys and girls between the age of 8 and 12 and they got chatting to the teacher and they said why don't you give us some of the stuff you're making? We'll sell it for you. We'll use it as a fundraiser. We'll make a bit of money for you and we'll send the money back and you can use the money whatever way you like. And she had indicated that what she'd like to use use the money for would be to do some renovation work in one of their classrooms. So they had a sale of the arts and crafts stuff just for one day on Saturday and they made over a thousand euro. Isn't that terrific? So they've asked me just to thank all of the people that came in and bought the items and no doubt the people that went and bought items were thrilled because beautiful, beautiful handcrafted stuff. They got on to the teacher in Belarus to tell her that the money was being raised. Needless to say, she was thrilled. It has made her Christmas and she has decided, yeah, that the money is going to be used to completely refurbish one large classroom, which is 14 feet by 30 feet. So the volunteers just want to say thank you to people who contributed on Saturday but to, from the children from those boys and girls who will benefit into the future because that's where they 
because that classroom is going to be done up and they'll be able to do more of the craft work that they're doing. It's great. So well done and to take a bow and well done to Jur and the guys for organising that sale last uh, Saturday. We've been talking about bingo and we will talk more about bingo tomorrow on the programme when we're going to be joined by a member of the Save Our Bingo campaign who, as we speak, are holding a rally outside Leinster House today. This is in advance of legislation which is planned to modernise gaming laws but it's going the knock on effect is it's going to affect bingo halls and this legislation is due to pass before the doll tomorrow and some bingo hall halls are fearful that when they bring in this new cap on prize money reducing it at the moment the current prize is 75 to 85% of what comes in every night is given back out in prizes under the new legislation if it goes through tomorrow that cap gets reduced to 50% of the bingo halls takings can be given out as prizes and the fear is that the people who run the bingo halls have been speaking to their patrons and the patrons are saying not worth turning up you know what encourages people to go along I think in many cases is when there is a big jackpot and when there is a chance of winning and not that you win every single week but it's the chance of winning that gets people to go along and the fear is footfall will be down of course if footfall is down there's less people going less money into the pot less money will be given out on jackpots and eventually the bingo halls will be gone Joan and Fomoy has contacted us Good afternoon uh, Joan Good afternoon Patricia You're raising an interesting point on the importance of weekly bingos I'll tell you I can only really speak for Fomoy but I know that every Wednesday for many years the bingo has taken place and even when the For My Musical Society have their show every year, that Wednesday night is always excluded because they can't afford to lose the few bob, literally, that they make on that bingo because it all goes towards the upkeep and maintenance of the youth centre. Now, they give out everything between the upkeep and giving out the prize money that is the 100% that's taken in. Mm. And, like, it would be a disgrace because Kieran Barry has been running it awfully successfully, putting so much into it, and his staff are fabulous. They rent out rooms to accommodate every pocket, as little as 10 euros, in some cases, per hour. Well. Uh, it's, it's actually the hub of the community at the moment. And you're saying that bingo keeps that going? It does. It contributes in a big way towards keeping that hall going. What size jackpots would you have in Fomoy? Oh gosh, I'm not familiar. You're not, yeah, yeah. I'd be interesting. 200, 300. Yeah, you see, it's the jackpot. Uh, it seems that people that go to bingo, they, the jackpot is important to them and the jackpot is going to be affected by these rules and regulations. If there's a smaller jackpot, the fear is many, yeah, yeah. the people are just kind of thinking what's the point of, of going and like a lot of people I think you're raising an interesting point you know the fact that here we've got a community facility in the, the youth centre and they rely on the money that they make Completely. from the bingo on top of the point I was making the social side it's fantastic you see people getting off buses yeah. and they're having a ball. They go into Hanley shop beforehand. <laughs> now the hotel, unfortunately, is gone. They used to go in there for a couple beforehand. It was a real social outing. Yeah. And it was over around 10 o'clock because if we ever were in the hotel, they'd be coming up and coming in maybe for a drink before they'd go home. Mm. And like the youth centre itself is just fantastic. 
the rooms upstairs, you could serve a meal there, literally. There's a ballroom in it. Uh, the staff excel in every aspect. I mean, you could go with anything and they would accommodate you. They, there are so many things going on and it needs so much money at the moment to maintain. It's They need to do up the theatre. Um, they need they put up a lift some years ago, which is fantastic. That costs money. I mean, every penny and as well as that, they just are so lovely. It yeah, was raining a year ago or two. Yeah. We had the um, cancer band recital down the quay. It absolutely poured. We were straight away ushered in to the youth centre, yeah. accommodated, heating put on. Otherwise, it would have been a fiasco. Yeah, it would have been cancelled like, or completely washed. Yeah, and it's and while, while, like, yeah, while you're talking about Formoy, there are many other areas uh, that have the community hall, or in your case, the youth centre, and it's the bingo. It is the bingo. It's the money that comes in from the bingo that keeps keeps them going. It is, and in a few rural areas as well, in other places. Yeah. Really, you see, my, you know, my big fear is the big complaints coming in are from the big bingo hall operators in Dublin, which is on a very different level. Oh, you know, completely. I mean, I was I was reading somewhere there uh, 85 workers in one company that runs bingo halls in Whitehall, Cabaret, Tala, Crumlin. You know, that's a big business. Uh, that's, that's very different to, to a what we're... town yeah. little enterprise. You can't, you, you, you can't compare like with like. Oh, they're, no, they're and too it's very different. unfair. And actually, these EU directives at this stage, I'm wondering about them because that lighting, there is no feeling for the general public with this EU public lighting. That lighting is a danger to drivers and the public. Well, this and is the this is the issue that we highlighted yeah, last week, where like the the lights are they're they're, they're LED, they're LED for climate, yeah. it's also with climate change and all of that. But the knock on is they're not as bright. They're not as safe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just dreadful. They don't seem to care. And then we've the EU directive today, where uh, we could have with the fuel allowance. Well, if they do that, there'll be a grey haired vote out against us. <laughs> I don't think they'd get away with <laughs> no, that. I don't one. think so either. I don't Being think so honest, either. Now, they would want to cop on and our government, if that's what they're doing and treating the elderly of this um, this little country, it's just too bad. I mean, I just smiled. I was chucking in carrots above when I heard all this and I just thought, my God, are they at it again? Well, if somebody said, if the government agreed to this one, we need to get rid of them. People on social welfare and pensioners rely on this money. We'll have to get out of the EU. We'll be like England to the EU. Yeah, it seems to be I running this country. Exactly. I know, yes, uh, last year somebody uh, was okayed for the allowance. She's living alone. She's entitled to it, but she was waiting to retire. It's like manna from heaven. She doesn't know herself with that extra bag yeah, of coal. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're on no, your own... if 22 or 3 euros yeah, is means a lot, a lot it means a lot. Listen, Joan, a pleasure as always to talk to you. Thank okay. you for that. Thanks, Thanks for joining us. Uh, God bless. 1850-333-103. And another listener has been on by... This is kind of, kind of a word of warning. Uh, Mary was on to say she popped to the post office because she was posting a package to the US of A and wanted to get it there in time for Christmas. Now she said a few years ago when you'd go to the post office you'd be handed a form that you needed to fill in. You'd fill it in yourself stick it onto the package hand your parcel back into the post office clerk and away they go 
But Mary says times they are changing. When she went yesterday, she says that the post office clerk must now fill in the form. She said it could take up to 20 minutes. I don't know what detail they're looking for. So she said if somebody is sending a package to the States, beware. It will take extra time. Now John Paul says we've contacted on post because I actually was in the post office yesterday sending off packages. I had a package to go to England and I was sending a package to Australia and I should have weighed my packet for Australia. Well, I did weigh my packet for Australia because anyone who's got loved ones living in Australia will know it is not the cheapest country in the world to send a package after. And I had weighed it because if you can keep it to the 1kg mark, it'll cost you fifteen fifty to post, which is in itself uh, dear enough. But I had weighed it believing that I was at the 1kg. And then I remembered as I was queuing up with my parcel all sealed, that I had added and something extra into it at the last minute. The other way, I think, oh, that'll be nice for the little one. So I popped it in, didn't reweigh the package. And of course, I went over the one kg mark, didn't I? I did. And then the package ended up costing me 22.50. And there was a woman ahead of me, bless her heart. She had three packages that she was sending, but she had very cleverly, and they were most accommodating, I have to say, in the the, the smaller post office, the Ballydehean post office at Dano Super Value, she had her package opened and she was taking out bits, you know, she had been filling up the parcel and then she was taking it back out so that it would get in under. I think she was trying to get hers to under the two kg mark. I think she had fairly big uh, parcels. But I thought that was clever of her to do that and they gave her a separate scale so she was able to see what she, what she was doing. But anyway, sorry I digress talking about what it cost me to post my packages. But the reason I mentioned it was I had a package for England, a smaller package and, the, and then the package for Australia. I was handed two, what are they, customs declaration forms, aren't they? So I took my packages and my little forms off to one side separate counter and filled in you know you had to write what's in what's in it and sign your name and address and, and whatever and the, the the one for England is a tiny or is it the Australian one is a tiny little green one it's really tiny you're trying to even fit in the where you've got to sign your name on it and then I stuck them back onto the packages and handed them back into the post office uh, clerk so I don't know what's different or new about packages going to the US of A but according to Mary, she wasn't allowed to fill in the form. The form had to be filled in by the clerk. And that will seriously delay things. If, as Mary says, it took about 20 minutes. There's a queue of people behind. They'll be, you'll be waiting a long time. Anyway, we're on Tom Post to try to find out exactly what's going on with America. 1850, this is something Donald Trump has brought in, and the President, 1850-333-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Patrician Academy are presenting Back to the 80s in St. Patrick's Boys National School. It is on Wednesday the 11th, Thursday the 12th, with Tickets are on sale now from the school office, 022 21884. The High Hopes Choir from Cork Penny Dinners and Ger Wolf will be performing at uh, Ballinamorath Church tonight, half past seven. Tickets are available on the night with proceeds going to the local national school. Bingo in Shambally Moor Community Centre and is on tonight, half past eight. Your jackpot there, €2,300. Copine Archaeological, Historical and Cultural Society are presenting an illustrated talk by Dr Bernadette McCarthy entitled Historic Postboxes of the Copine Region in Context. It'll take place in Uncopine uh, on Wednesday, tomorrow night, half past eight. Everyone very welcome to attend. And a fundraising coffee morning 
for Clonakilty Community Care and Meals on Wheels will be held in the Clonakilty Adult Education Centre at St Faulkner's this Thursday morning half 10 to 12 noon with a raffle on the day for a gorgeous Christmas hamper. And the last art club demonstration of the 2019 season will be held on behalf of Mallow Art Club this Thursday Mercy Centre half 7 with Dorothy Roberts who will be doing a beach scene in acrylic. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow, open every weekend until Christmas. C103's Christmas Covered. We're giving away shopping vouchers worth a total of €5,000. With Dennis and Mary Ryan Bishopstown, where the new 2020 C5 Aircross has arrived. See Ryan's.ie. And this is your final week to grab a free festive shopping spree. Your chance to win €500. Euro every day this week in a one for all voucher. Yesterday it was the turn of Diane Martin from Ovens. I heard 15. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> oh Diane that is a nice round of applause for you because yes there were 15 bells congratulations oh, thank you so much oh my god <laughs> you're uh, a little bit shocked just a tad just a tad yeah. I'm here waiting for my kids to be finished swimming I was in the car with my youngest okay. I was like they're not going to ring they're not going to ring I'll go down and collect them and what would be your plan now for using up this uh, 500 euro one for all <sighs> gift voucher uh, what kind of difference is this going to make to you now in the run up to Christmas oh my word I'd say they'll be telling me we want Lego we want Lego they'll be <laughs> they'll have their list they'll have a second list one list for Santa and one list for me 500 euro worth of Lego then off you go <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell me a bit more about the kids anyway what ages are they and all that um, Amy is nine nearly ten and Simon is seven seven and Luke is seven months old Oh, congratulations. That's a fantastic family win there. Well done to Diane Martin from Ovens, appearing to win that 500 euro one for all voucher on behalf of the entire family. Keep counting the bells. The next set of bells will be going off at two o'clock today with Nick and again with Martine and five. And then you know what to do. You add them all together and text or WhatsApp the total to 0862103103 and we could be calling you back with a 500 euro voucher. It's the final week of C103's Christmas coverage with Dennis and Mary Ryan where the new 2020 C5 Aircross has arrived. Open seven days. Crines.ie. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. We were getting calls in earlier today from people in the Bantry area saying that they were having a problem with their Vodafone coverage. One of those calls also came from Buddy, who runs a taxi business in the area. Good afternoon to you, Buddy. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. Hard to run a taxi business if your phone isn't working. Impossible. I'm ringing in now from a landline... Um, if somebody wants to get through to me, they can't get through to me. Now, this problem occurred yesterday about two o'clock. Okay. I made several attempts to get through, and I must stress that Vodafone customer care is a joke. And I mean a joke. Why? What happened? You ring them. Yeah. And um, they'll, you ring the Dublin number, they'll tell you ring 1907. You ring that, and you're put on to Egypt. Egypt? Egypt. Now, I've been on to Egypt four times. Yesterday, 
and it is very hard to understand some of them. I was on yesterday and this one told me, turn off my phone, turn it on, or she'd do something with the SIM card. And uh, Well, I hang on now. They were trying to make out that it was just Buddy's phone. It wasn't a problem with... That's right. And I assured her that it wasn't. Because when, okay, it was yesterday. What time yesterday afternoon did you realise you had a problem? I'd say about two thirty because I had I was in uh, I was over in Kerry, so I didn't realise it until I got back into my own area. Okay, and you realised you had no signal. You were getting nothing. Absolutely zilch. So then, did you check with others to see was it? I did. Yeah, and you were, and you were hearing from other people that it was nothing. So and when you ring, yeah, when you ring as I said, uh, you're put through to. Uh, Egypt, yeah, and then she said she acknowledged there was a problem, but they're sorting it. I should have it back within an hour. There, the hour passed, two hours passed, three hours passed, and I made two more calls last night. And like, no disrespect, but in the name of good God, how can they sort our problems from Egypt when we're over here in West Cork? I tell you, technology is a great thing. Well, that's but call God centres. Help us if yeah. anything goes wrong. Yeah, yeah, and I know. Well, you were lucky to even get onto Egypt because Kathleen from Bantry was on to us earlier. She was ringing the number she was told to ring and all she was getting was an automated voicemail with them and she was sick of punching in her account numbers as they were asking her to do. She didn't get, she got to speak to no one, not even somebody in Egypt. She was very frustrated. Now we did make contact with Vodafone this morning and they tell us they are aware of the problem and they are, they are contacting engineers as to what's causing the problem. They're contacting engineers as to what's causing the problem. Well, that'll tell you now. So over in Egypt yesterday, what I was being told was a pack of lies. Because they, according to the first lady I spoke to yesterday, she checked with their engineers and they acknowledged there was a problem there. But Vodafone customer care is a joke. When it works, and it's great. But it's when it doesn't work and it lets you down that it becomes a, yeah, a huge problem. My, my business... You're reliant on it. I'm completely reliant. Yeah. And so have you have you done little or no work today? A few bookings that I had, but yeah. yesterday evening nothing because nobody can contact me, you know? So people so if somebody tries to ring Buddy's taxis what well, it sounds like your phone is switched off. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, well, that's frustrating. Now everything goes down. Like technology, whatever, you'll have to accept that like some things have to give a bit of problem. Yeah. But my biggest issue is our our customer care service. And the fact that the call centre is in Egypt. Yeah, like for a country the size of our own, we should have some local hub or something here that we could get onto straight away and you could tell them, look, there's a problem in West Cork, there's a problem in Bantry, Skibreen, etc. No, it's just appalling. Yeah, because it's obviously the fact it's just Bantry. It's a mast or something down in that area. It's, you know, it's specific. It isn't that Vodafone is gone in the entire West Cork region. No. It's just very specific to Bantry. It's a Bantry problem. And you think they'd be able to deploy uh, an engineer and get it sorted okay we'll get back on to them again and particularly ask them about their call centres in Egypt uh, listen and if anybody's looking for buddies taxis do you, do you want to give I'm out hot, I'm gone fishing oh gone fishing uh, well enjoy the fishing 
Well, okay. if you have any news on it, because we're listening to the radio at the weekend. We'll give it out over the radio. Thank we will. you very we will. much. We will. God bless, sure. buddy. God bless. Take bye care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's frustrating when your business is dependent uh, on it, on the phone, for the phone to go down. But you listen, he's relaxing and when uh, we wish him tight lines as he has a bit of fishing going on today. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text to WhatsApp 0862-103-103. We're going to take a break and we are back uh, chatting with Joe Heffernan. Court today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade. Open every weekend until Christmas. Eggfoilamach Quiddenanihe is Farlin. Shaitror C103 Air Kirkig. Is Museum Alien in the Caraghe and Crawford Art Gallery Gurkig? Nur Hulan Tucci, Nadorsha, find to Tishkin Shart, Erin Rolls, Suntasuk, Tagus Nahark Alien, as a tail, Agus Sukhal Turko, I'm sure. Tagnos Kun, Rohia, Mila Kurtur, and Ike Bliana Rigging Gallery, a hostage to Egree Lorna Carach, in Akalish Opera House. Serge Hadishach, the Trish Fibli. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Responsish agus baluchan buan tonismo na rovi le seher. Nukta quid denaniha is fari gorkig C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Joe Heffernan uh, joins us. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And we're picking up where we left off from last week. We were discussing self-harm. You were explaining what self-harm is. And one of the things that very much came out uh, was the fact that, unfortunately, when we talk about self-harm, it's mainly something that seems to be affecting young people and young people more today than previous generations, would be fair to say. Yes, indeed. And, uh, I mean, the statistics on uh, young people and especially young females on uh, depression in Ireland, um, you know, uh, the figures are startling. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so today we're offering advice to the parents because very difficult for parents to watch or to realise what their child is doing, that they're actually injuring themselves. Absolutely. And and we could include teachers that maybe maybe teachers could say to their classes in general that um, 
you know, if you feel that a friend of yours is in trouble, is um, uh, going through a very bad time, please do come and tell one of the staff. Um, so, yeah, um, parents and teachers, I suppose, really. Um, well, um, the the signs would be, you know, the big change in mood, the the change in behaviours, um, and uh, then if there is any physical evidence of uh, self harm. Um, now the young person will keep it hidden. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. We we talked last week about the long sleeves, and um, in the middle of summer. Yeah, yeah. The long sleeves, um, the 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 long skirt. Um, uh, our boys, um, the same with the long sleeves, and um, if the child is. Uh, Changed in many ways. Hobbies not being pursued. Big change in uh, friendships not pursuing and, um, uh, you know, socialising with friends. Um, a lot of alone time in the in the bedroom. Um, that kind of thing. And, um, uh, you know, it, it's common. The, the self-harm is, is often... Um, it 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 could be an argument of falling out with a, with a close friend. It could be a row with parents. Um, it could be where the young person has you know encountered, we'll say, um, rejection. Um, you know, the the group doesn't want me anymore, kind of thing. The boyfriend uh, or the girlfriend broke it off. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, depression. Um, uh, um, uh, a young person who has an issue, we, we'd put it that way, an issue with food might be at, at, at greater risk. Um, or indeed, if a child is... Um, uh, I, I, I hesitate to use the word uh, uh, abusing, but um, using... Um, illegal drugs, yeah. um, or indeed uh, is overdoing alcohol. They, 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 they would be very, very clear um, uh, signs, like that the child is in trouble, um, uh, and uh, as I was saying last week, um, self harm, rather than being a suicide attempt is actually an inappropriate way of trying to cope with life. So yeah, and I think that's what parents need, because I, I think it's the first thing people think of yeah. when they hear that their son or daughter, or they realise their son or daughter is cutting themselves, particularly, for example, if it's on the wrist. Yes. Straight away, it's, oh my God, are they trying to take their own lives? Yes. They're not. So no. therefore, the parent has to try in some way to stay calm in all this situation. That's a big thing. That, that's a very big thing, is to stay calm, um, you know, not, as we'll say, go off at the deep end and uh, give out or uh, shout or blame. No. What the, what the young person needs at that stage is to be listened to. Now, uh, our, uh, 
before that, like, encouraged to talk. Like, what's wrong? I, I, obviously, you're not feeling well. Um, I, I want to be, I want to be helpful. And, um, you know, what, 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 um, what's going on in your life that you're finding it so difficult to deal with? Now, some young people um, uh, just simply have bottled up some problem. Um, they feel helpless. And um, the self-injury, peculiarly, um, is, um, uh, again, an inappropriate method of helping them to feel more in control. Um, <clears throat> so listen, listen to what the young person yeah, is, yeah. is I saying. Mean, it could and it, be. it might be something very what you or I would see as God. Why would you even be worried about that? It but in a young person's way. life, it's yeah. and so it important. Could be like pent up feelings of maybe anger or resentment, and these are bottled up. Uh, um, and then um, the 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 self harming is a sort of. Um, a reliever of the tension that, that that's inside. Is it a cry for help? I yeah yeah yeah. yeah. C- could it be as a result of bullying? Absolutely, without question yeah. or doubt. I I would say that um, if the statistics were available, that um, the bullying issue would be very very high up on on the list because like feelings of shame. Um, uh, for whether you know inappropriate feelings of shame um, can become unbearable, and um, uh, self harm can be a way of, I suppose you could call it a way of punishing oneself. So that 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 could be there if a person has been shamed. Uh, I'm talking about now the the kind of bullying issues that happen on social media are indeed um remarks by um uh peers um you know or, or it could be um it, it it could be something that simply has happened okay um it but the be. message to parents today who are discovering this is not to panic stay as calm as possible and start talking and listening to your young people absolutely and um, again, um, you know, uh, at the risk of sounding like a stuck record, first port of call, the GP. Okay. Because, you know, in a very realistic way, um, apart from the emotional and psychological issues that we're talking about here today, um, you know, there can be a risk of infection. There can be a, a risk of doing um, some, uh, you know, serious harm that the young person didn't intend. Um, so yeah, that uh, the GP would be um, first protocol. Po- first protocol. Mike and in Mike in, ba- Mike in Bantry says when somebody cuts themselves, their arm or their wrist, for example, uh, they think they're leaving the badness out. That, that's yes. a stretch way yes. of putting it, isn't that it? Is, that is exactly it. Wow. That's why I was saying there a while ago. I know about guilt or shame. Um, yeah, it can be sort of letting the bad stuff out. God help Yeah. Them. God help Yeah. Them. Okay, so as you say, first protocol, go to the GP and talk to the GP. Now, I had Minister Jim Daly on the programme uh, yesterday. I and I he's, I mean, he's been working since he took over in, with the Minister of Responsibility for Mental Health. He's been talking about this kind of one-stop shop phone service, which I remember at the time thinking, will he ever get this off the ground? 
and he's managed to do it. Absolutely. Um, I, 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 he'll be missed, I think, very much when he retires from politics because I, I met him at the IACP uh, AGM and uh, a genuinely interested guy in the area of mental health. And um, uh, I, I think this initiative about the, the kind of, we'll call it the one-stop phone number, because as, he, as you and he were saying uh, yesterday, um, you know, there's this number, there's that number, yeah. there's the other number. And the well, thing no, is, when you're in a crisis situation, yeah. you know, I mean, you could imagine a parent walking into a son or daughter's bedroom and discovering this, and you're in this blind path. Who do I go to? Who do I do reach out to? And here we have this number, one eight hundred one 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 eight eight eight. who will say, where are you? What part of the country are you in? What's the problem? This is who you need to go to. Absolutely. He even gave the example, I think, uh, I think the example he gave was, uh, I, I, I think he said, for example, if a person rang from, I think he said Bandon, and that the person at the other end of the line could say, well, no, there's a jigsaw. Yeah. Um, uh, in that, in town. In town, and uh, and would give the number, and then the person knows exactly where to go. Yeah. Because as he was saying, um, uh, psychiatric help is um, is one of the places to go, the likes of CAMS. But then he was saying that there's a lot of inappropriate um, uh, referring uh, to CAMS because the issue might be more um, a psychology rather than psychotherapist psycho- yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah. And people then are wasting. No, it's not their fault, but they're taking up valuable places that's that's needed by by someone else who needs yeah. that cams. Yeah. Okay, there are another yeah. couple of phone calls because I'm conscious of the time that we want to, to give out uh, as well uh, contacts that you're suggesting. You're suggesting a website, yourmentalhealth.ie. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think that one is, uh, you know, very much um, in in line with the one eight hundred triple one triple eight one. Okay. Um, you know, there's Teen Line Ireland, um, 1-800-833-634. Um, it's like it, the name tells you, uh, Teen Line. Um, you know, so Child Line, uh, 1-800-666-666. So um, they're all there. And um, But I think the new number now, the one 800 I think have, that's a really, yeah. really good idea. And it'll so have all of, well done, Jim Daly. It'll have all, all of those other contacts. Yeah. Actually, I was surprised, Joe, when I was talking to him when he said that when he started looking at this and coordinating it, 1,100 groups working with... Different I na- na- it na- it no, I know that's nationwide, but incredible. All yeah. funded by the HSC. Yeah. So there is a need to pull them all together and get them all in under one umbrella. And getting value for the one billion being spent. Yeah, yeah. That, um, you know, because some of them obviously would be overutilised and hardly able to cope. And more of them would be sitting there waiting for a phone call. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And there's no point you or I knowing about a service in Donegal that's of no use to us. Our people in Donegal wanted to know about a service down here in, in Cork. OK, yeah. OK, we leave it there. We'll talk- let, let me add in there the iscp.ie website. Um, iscp.ie because the, the, on the front page of that first page there's find a counsellor and you'll find someone probably within, within 10 miles. Yeah. 
which is important as well. Okay, yeah. Joe, we'll talk again next week. Thanks for that. Thank you. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Bohapui. His number is 029-76617. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick is with you for the afternoon. And don't forget, Christmas covered here at C103. The bells will be ringing at two o'clock today. Make sure that you count the bells. Add it to the bells that Simon was ringing this morning. And then add them to Martina's ones at five and then text or WhatsApp us. You could be winning 500 euro. It's a lovely, lovely prize. Okay, we are back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Onto the line, Patricia Messenger. Have a very good afternoon. Cork today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow. A Cork Christmas celebration. Festive food and fun. The Ferris wheel and so much more on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow. Open every weekend until Christmas. C103's Christmas Covered. We're giving away shopping vouchers worth a total of 5,000 Euro. Listen at 9, 2 and 5. Count the bells to win a 500 euro one for all voucher. Then text or WhatsApp the total amount for your chance to win. C103's Christmas Covered. With Dennis and Mary Ryan Bishopstown, where the new 2020 C5 Aircross has arrived. See Ryan's.ie. Only on C103. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.